facts, candid conversations, and some levity to lighten your day. This is The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Hello, welcome. This is The Kale Clark Show. It is Brooke Taylor. Happy to be with you in For Kale today and coming to you on this beautiful day where I am here from my home studio near Akron, Ohio. So that's about 60 minutes south of Cleveland, 20 minutes north of Canton. So I thought it would be fun on today's program to kind of hop on a virtual relevant radio tour bus and go sightseeing a little bit, all of us together. So we're going to be a little bit packed in to fit, but I know we can do it. And the reason is because two segments on today's program deal with significant sites and stops from my neck of the woods. So today I had a meeting most of the day with the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton, which was really unique to go behind the scenes as part of a board of directors meeting for a cause that I think might surprise you. And I'm really pleased to tell you about it because it encouraged my heart so much. And I hope it encourages you too. It's good news. And we really could use that. So I will share about that. I want to talk a little bit about that. And then our second stop in this hour is going to be at the National Shrine of St. Dymphna in Maslin, Ohio. So that's about 20 minutes away from the Hall of Fame. And you might already be familiar with it because here on Relevant Radio, the great shrines across America and the National Shrine of St. Dymphna sponsors that feature. So you can go right to relevantradio.com slash shrines and learn more. Our Lady of Champion is also posted there. The Shrine of Christ's Passion, different pilgrimage sites. And this one is included in that. And yesterday was the Feast of St. Dymphna. And mental health issues continue to, to skyrocket. Teen depression is at unprecedented numbers. We've gone there a few times. My daughter has severe autism, so we've taken her along with many, many prayer intentions. St. Dimpna is the patron saint of mental health issues, mental illness, even runaways and dementia, Alzheimer's, OCD, anxiety. The list goes on. We will learn more from Mary, Mary Randalls at the National Shrine of St. Dymphna. She is going to join us. There is an 85-year anniversary celebration coming up this weekend. So she'll give us all the scoop, the miracles, the testimonies. I can't wait to share that with you. So, oh, and then later in the show, we're going to go to Ireland. St. Dymphna is an Irish saint, but we're actually going to travel virtually. We can't take the bus, but we're going to go to the Emerald Isle to visit with Brother Richard Hendrick. He is a priest friar of the Irish branch of the Franciscan Capuchins. And I didn't realize this until we were messaging this morning and he shared that he currently is parish priest at the oldest church in Dublin. And it was originally founded for Vikings. I'm assuming ostensibly Viking Christians. We'll get the story. We'll find out about that. But it was all the way back to the second century in the year 1000. So I really want to ask him more about that. But also we'll talk about prayer and contemplative prayer and how that is kind of the elixir that we need in a time that's so busy and rushed and plugged in. So we got to buckle up. We have a lot of stops to make this hour a lot to cover. So as I mentioned today, I spent a few hours with the CRO of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, Joe Hawkins, along with great staff there just for an important cause. And in case you don't know the Football Hall of Fame, that is, of course, the museum, the bronze bus. They're displayed from from the greats of the game over the decades. And just for nostalgia, I thought it would be fun to pull up enshrinement speeches, one in particular from back in 1985. So this is for 
any football trivia buffs, can you guess the voice? It's just a quick excerpt, but I want to play this football legend's enshrinement excerpt and see if you can identify who it is and what he had to say. Jim, hit it. Take a listen. It starts at home. I want to thank my family for the love that they have given me over the years. Even when I was a little guy all the way to now, they've been on my side, close to me, giving me courage, helping me. My brothers, Bob, Frank, John, taught me how to throw the rock. Taught me pretty good. My sister, she was probably the best athlete of the group, helped out a heck of a lot too. My mother and father, of course, the love that they gave me as a child and now as an adult is deeply cherished. That is the voice, did you know it, of Joe Namath, Broadway Joe, talking about the importance of family. He, of course, the great quarterback, and he's right on that. And his parents were Catholics, Hungarian, living in Pittsburgh. I think they did sadly later divorce, but it's just such a great place to go. Jim, producer Jim and I were talking before the program because it's history and for whether it's Cooperstown or here, the Pro Football Hall of Fame, really special. They are in the middle of a huge expansion there as well. And I share that with you because the reason that I was there is for a meeting with the board of directors. I'm part of the board of directors for the Poor Clares of Perpetual Adoration, the Poor Clare Nuns, founded originally by St. Clair of Assisi. And so this religious community located near the Pro Football Hall of Fame receives no funding from the diocese. And that was something I learned. I think a lot of communities like that, they really truly do take this vow of poverty. And so they rely on divine providence. And so the Football Hall of Fame is coming alongside to support religious life and the Poor Clares doing a fundraiser. And I just thought that was so beautiful and wanted to share that with you because the local community, the religious community impacts the entire church, the body of Christ. They are dedicated to penance and prayer, Eucharistic adoration and praying for all of us. And in a time where, again, there is so much negative news and sports scandals, I thought it was a pretty beautiful thing. So God bless the the Pro Football Hall of Fame and what's to come with that. We're in the, just the beginning stages, but it was also a pretty neat place to go. And that, I guess, takes us to our next stop, 20 minutes away on our little tour here. And And that is the historic St. Mary's Catholic Church in Massillon, Ohio, where you can find the National Shrine of St. Dymphna. And Mary Randalls is with us. Yesterday was St. Dymphna's feast day. I had a chance to talk to Mary and she said, oh, there's a gentleman coming in from Texas. So I knew people were pilgrimaging all over, not just yesterday, but year round to venerate the first class relic, to ask for our Lord's healing through the intercession of St. Dymphna. The stories continue of the miracles of her intercession. I can't wait to hear more about them. Mary joining us now. Hello. Welcome to the program, Mary. Hi. How are you, Brooke? Great. Thank you for joining us. And thank you for your work at the Shrine. Can you kind of just start with the story of St. Dymphna for those that might not be familiar? Oh, surely. Um, St. Dymphna was born in Ireland in the 7th century. Her mother was devout Catholic, and she grew up in the faith, but her father was still pagan. And when her, she was a young teen, her mother died, and her father went into a deep depression and out of his head, and he was advised to remarry. And in his madness, he believed that he needed to marry his daughter. And she knew it was wrong to marry her father, so she fled Ireland with her confessor, Father Gerbrun, and they went to Gill, Belgium. And they stayed there hoping that her father wouldn't find her, but she had spent money along the way, and he was able to track her down. 
Um, and then when she kept refusing to marry him, um, she behead, he was be. He beheaded her and also Father Gerobin for his role in taking her away. But in Gil, Belgium, um, they became a pilgrimage site for those with uh, mental disorders. And she just, um, she's there for everyone. And it, they, um, and then the town of Gil, they open their doors and they've done this for centuries. They have they'll take the patients of the psychiatric hospitals there into their homes and take care of them. And um, the people of Gil, Belgium have a deep devotion to St. Dymphna. And then it's just spread all over the world. Um, people will come here from all over the country to, to visit the shrine and, um, and the relic. And, and as you mentioned, you know, just the, the, the patron saint is also incest, that she's a patron saint of, of those who have suffered from incest and runaways as well, anxiety, mm-hmm. OCD. And again, as I've shared, we've taken our daughter there a few times. She's severely autistic. We always bring a lot of petitions and prayer intentions. Mental health over the centuries, certainly now here in our culture and our time, is such at a crisis point. And as you said, people all over the world back through time still seek her intercession. And and I know that there where you are, you've seen they have cataloged some of the recorded miracles and healings that have happened there. Can you maybe share a few of we, those that we you've do. seen or heard about? Um, we do. We, um, I have an email that I got um, just like this last week uh, we have a prayer request line on our website, and I was answering a prayer request, and a mom was asking um, for us to pray for her son who had deep depression and was um, addicted. And she also wanted for him to find a good Catholic friend that he could confide in. Um, so I answered her back and told her that we would pray for her intention and suggested um, she um, download the novena we have and to, to pray that way. And a few days later, I got a response and she said, um, I'd like to read this. She, she told me that it would be okay. Um, I, your response regarding my prayer request for my son was much appreciated along with your prayers and my regular recitation of the Saint of Nanavina. Our son has truly taken a miraculous turn. Having been sober, from a three-year drug addiction for the last two months and falling into drug use again this past weekend, his behavior on Monday, his first workday back, was expected. In his shame cycle, he was uncommunicative and buried under the covers of his bed. Based on his history of severe depression, we fully expected him to sustain this behavior for up to three weeks or so and lose yet another job. Well, this morning, my husband and I witnessed the miracle. This was just days after receiving a confirmation email from you praying for his specific needs. He contritely approached us, an emotional rarely demonstrated by him, and asking our help and continued love. Our son acknowledged his need for addiction counseling and a relationship mm-hmm. with a higher power. Additionally, he identified a good Christian friend in whom he could confide and rely on difficult times. We know all these things happen, just don't happen on their own, especially given the almost instantaneous nature of them. We owe the gift of a now mindful and spiritually motivated son to St. Dimphna and her glorious intercession with our merciful Lord. And um, that one touched me when I got it this week, well, it was last week. Um, But we do get other testimonials from people 
who have been helped through her intercession, family members. Usually it's people that are praying for family members that we get the prayer requests. Well, those... Ebenezer stones, because in sacred scripture, this Ebenezer stone was raised as a stone of victory. We see that God continues to work and move and heal. And every day here on Relevant Radio, those stories, whether it's through the family rosary across America or through Divine Mercy Chaplet with Drew, and also the the mystery, I think, too. We have been able to scale the heights and plumb the depths of the sea, but the mind still remains so mysterious, whether that's Alzheimer's or PTSD or depression or autism. And so it's such an immense sorrow too for families because you just feel so helpless when you see the suffering. And we look at the cross and we see our Lord there and it, it looks as his corpus, his body is on the cross that he's paralyzed. He can't move, but it's there. He's never been more powerful. Yeah. And the, you know, the paradox of the cross. And so you do, I'm sure you see people, you receive them, you hear these stories. Also too, Maybe the little observations, the little way, the comments or the people that have shared, when people come to the shrine, just being able to venerate her relic or pray, do do they mm-hmm. remark on a sense of peace or what kind of feedback do you receive? They do. Uh, and sometimes uh, um, well, I'll hold them the relic and there's tears in their eyes. And that always gets me. And um, and the and the lengths they do to come to the shrine, they'll travel for hours just to come to the shrine and then travel back. We've had several um, last year, one family from New York, they had been wanting to come for, for a couple of years and then um, with COVID, but they made it, I think it was last year and they made it, they flew in and they flew out. And also a family from California did the same. So that impresses me that people will come to the shrine because it's so important to them that they come to the shrine and and venerate her and give her thanks or still pray and petition for uh, for her family members or themselves. We've been speaking with Mary Randalls from the National Shrine of St. Dymphna, located in Maslin, Ohio. Of course, St. Dymphna, the patron saint of those with uh, mental nervous disorders, mental health, mental illness, Alzheimer's, um, autism, and the like, so many other ailments sorrows that are enfolded in her intercession. And you're in a special place. I'm just wondering too, Mary, how that particular area, it's inside Historic St. Mary's Church in Maslin, Ohio. How was that selected as the, why the national? We, why we were here? Originally, mm-hmm. the uh, the shrine was on the grounds. It was called Maslin State Hospital. And, and the, a chapel was built in 1938 to take care of the Catholic patients. Uh, Father Austin Scully got um, built the church. Well, then um, we moved here to St. Mary's in 2012. And in 2015, there was a fire here at St. Mary's. So it was renovated. And William and Patricia Crookston donated the money for the, the shrine of our new St. Dymphna statue because our original one was burned up in the fire. But we have a new one, a beautiful new statue. And um, Father Gretzko, who was the pastor of the time, um, he... Um, designed this shrine, and um, Bill Crookston was able to make it for us. But that's why we're um, originally we were on the grounds of the state hospital, which is like three miles out of Maslin, and that's why we're here at St. Mary's. 
When it comes to praying for her intercession, one of the intentions that I've begun to enfold is those who are struggling with with gender identity or gender dysphoria, because I don't, you know, I feel, I know that through time you can point to certain circumstances where that was an issue, but it just seems like it's such a contagion impacting the most vulnerable, very often children, and then, you know, go on to have irreparable harm or sterility or mutilation. Mm-hmm. And it's such a grief. And I think for for parents and the faithful that just have this sorrow for these precious children, I mean, adults too, that um, regret the decision or that perhaps are taken advantage of financially. It's it's such a, again, that's a crisis as well. So calling on her intercession. And as you kind of share the dates, I know it coincides for an 85-year celebration that's happening this yes. weekend. And yes, for those that might be the- able to make it. <laughs> yeah, tell us about that. Well, I hope so. That would be wonderful. Plus, um, we have um, the Mass, we have uh, Veneration of the Relic, at one o'clock, and then a novena, and then Father Mankowski, um, who's our new pastor here um, of Divine Mercy, the three churches in Maslin merged. So Father Mankowski is the new pastor, and he's going to be available to bless articles um, before Mass, and the Mass will be at two, and then after Mass, we'll have like a light refreshments in the gymnasium of St. Mary's School. Okay, and I know that all of us can access that information by visiting relevantradio.com slash shrines because the National Shrine of St. Dymphna sponsors that feature and is listed on that website. And two, for if we can't get there, Mary, um, would it would it be possible for you as you as you go and pray at that uh, first class relic, would you enfold all of us, the, the relevant radio I listeners and staff? Will. Oh, definitely. We, you know, we have visitors from all over the world. Well, mostly this country, but still, um, mm. they come in petition and Thanksgiving, and um, we do. We have our regular novena that we do every day, and we pray for all our members and for for anyone who, whose um, prayers with people have asked us to pray for them. And the shrine, all the. Um, the mass for St. Dymphna will also be on our Facebook, Shrine's Facebook page, and oh, then later God. YouTube okay. if, if they're interested. Okay. Thank you so much. God bless you. And you have a, a special you. job at a, a special place and just appreciate your time and sharing the stories. Oh, you're very welcome. I appreciate your being able to talk to you. Thanks, Brooke. Thanks, Mary. That's Mary Randalls from the National Shrine of St. Dymphna. And again, if you go to relevantradio.com slash shrines, you can access the, the website as well as what Mary shared about the Mass and seeing that live streamed on Sunday. Thank you again to Mary. It's Brooke Taylor in for Kale. When we come back, our next stop on the tour here, we're going to Ireland. We're going international. Uh, We had just a touch of it there hearing about St. Dymphna, but Brother Richard Hendrick is a Franciscan friar living in Dublin city center. He's a parish priest of the oldest parish in Dublin, originally founded for Vikings settling in Dublin around the year 1000. I cannot wait to hear that story. But also, he's the author of a brand new book. It's called Still Points. And we'll talk about contemplative prayer, poetry, the Easter season, the beauty of spring, and how God speaks to us through creation and the natural world. The phone lines are open. Do you have a question or comment about St. Dipna? Do you want to connect with Brother Richard? one 914 is the number to call here to join the program on Relevant Radio and the app. We'll be right back. Stay with us.
the fiddle and the flute. Irish music setting the tone for our next guest. Welcome back to the Kale Clark Show. My name is Brooke Taylor in for Kale today. Looking forward to a bit of a Irish mini retreat. Could you use a little retreat? You don't even have to bring your passport or pack your bag. We're just going to go right now to Dublin. That's how I always feel when I have the opportunity to connect with our next guest, Brother Richard Hendrick. He is a priest friar of the Irish branch of the Capuchin Franciscan Order. And for over 20 years, he has worked to bring contemplative Catholic prayer to greater public awareness through his writings, his retreats, his poems, his prayers. And his new book is called Still Points. Looking forward to exploring the pages with Brother Richard. Welcome to the show, Father. Thank you. It's wonderful to be with you. It's good to speak with you again. And I didn't realize I had mentioned this, but this morning when we were kind of doing last minute details that you mm-hmm. shared right now, you're stationed in located Dublin at the oldest church in the city with an amazing history. Can you fill us in a little bit? Sure. So I'm I'm living currently in our, our friary. Uh, in Church Street, which is right in the very heart of the north inner city of Dublin. Um, The Friary itself, the Capuchins, have been here since 1619. We're on site since 1619, so we've we've quite a history here. But we also care for the local parish, uh, which is under the patronage of St. Micken. Your your previous speaker was talking about St. Dimpna. Uh, St. Micken is one of those other early Irish saints uh, associated with with Dublin. Uh, He was a monk. Uh, and a bishop uh, who um, worked uh, in various, various ministries around Dublin, but was known particularly as a healer and as a reconciler of uh, peacemaker, a reconciler for, for those who were having trouble both with families and in those days within kind of tribal difficulties. Um, so the parish was dedicated to him round about the year 1000. Uh, it was uh, set up for um, uh, quite a number of Vikings who, uh, putting their plundering days behind them, they had settled into Dublin um, around the, the river, uh, naturally enough for them. Um, and uh, right in the heart of Dublin, it was it was set up uh, so as to provide a kind of a parish community for them, a ministry of the church to them. Um, it continued down through the ages. Obviously, it went through the, the, the tumult and the difficulty of the persecution of the penal times and of the Reformation. And at that time, the parish went kind of underground at, at one point period, actually literally underground, um, there is what was known as a mass house, which is an old cellar that was used under the markets where the congregation used to gather for for mass. And then finally, just before Catholic emancipation in the early 1800s, the local community built a beautiful church, the Church of St. Micken, and that's the church that I minister in now. Mm, What a story. And as you're sharing, it's just a reminder, Ireland is is not only marked by legend and lore and history, but but poetry and and difficulty and challenge. Thinking of the potato famine, of conversion and uh, mm. a battle, and and thinking of the great literary history as well, which I include you in that because I know that that's your gift. And in so much of what you share and what we will talk about in your new book, Still Points, is about peace. And on that note, as you referenced St. Dimphna, and as as you also uh, noted and heard Mary from the National Shrine of St. Dimphna, Mm. she is the patron saint of those with mental health, mental illness, anxiety. And before we jump in, I just want to take Joseph's call because I think you'll be able to speak to Joseph as well and um, his conversion and in the beautiful power of the intercession of the saint from New Jersey has a story. Hey, Joseph, are you there? Are you with us? Yes. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, 
I'll be brief as sure. I can. Uh, in my early 20s, I had a nervous breakdown mm-hmm. and uh, was suffered a long, long time and uh, was on medication for a very extreme long time and prayed, 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 and prayed again. And uh, a few days ago, specifically yesterday, I had a feeling of peace that I have not had since my early 20s, and now I'm 66 years old. And it just, I got so choked up, and I, I... I, I felt like my prayers were finally answered. And uh, I, I was praying to St. Michael and also St. Daphne, but I, but I believe that it was the intercession of St. Daphne that just overwhelmed me. I, I came to tears and a feeling of peace that I have not had my entire adult life. And uh, I'm just in awe of it. And... Uh, and uh, I get choked up when I think about it, and uh, it's just a feeling that is unsurpassable. I mean, I've prayed a lot. I've also been praying to the Blessed Mother along the way, but uh, just hung in there and prayed the chaplet and prayed the rosary. Not every day, but every, I'm a longtime listener of, of Relevant Radio, but prayed along with everyone. I hoped, and I, and and really hoped, but never really had that feeling of peace until yesterday. And uh, I hope it continues. I believe it will, because it never felt like this before, along with all the medicines and everything, all the, I was just living on a wing and a prayer, and and, uh, this is, I believe, the answer to that prayer all along the way. Well, you, Joseph, are a living witness to the virtue of fortitude, and we can hear, we can hear the emotion. We rejoice with you in your voice, and you think of a 40-year span, and to be able to have this sense of peace that you experienced truly is uh, remarkable. And Brother Richard, I know you counsel people all over the world mm. and there where you are in Dublin, so maybe you could talk about that peace and, and a response to what Joseph experienced. Well, first of all, to thank Joseph for sharing this 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 wonderful moment in his life, this moment of grace, because I, I genuinely believe when something wonderful happens to us, um, when we receive a gift like this, it's as much for the healing of the whole body of Christ as it is for the for the individual, you know. Um, and so to be able to testify in such a, a gentle and simple and disarming and beautiful way um, to the intercession of St. Infina and the Blessed Mother and St. Michael, uh, it's a wonderful gift, maybe for those who are listening who are still struggling, um, because that the, they they know that uh, that if you've been touched in this way and given this grace, then you know according to the providence of God, uh, there's always the possibility of of His healing and of His peace. Um, I, I think one of the great gifts that happens in these moments for us is is to realize that um, that the Lord is with us. Uh, even in the darkness. He's with us even in those moments um, when perhaps as human beings we feel things aren't right or you know, we don't seem to be working properly or whatever it might be. Uh, one, one very wonderful uh, old friar that, that I knew um, many years ago used to say for people who are suffering with mental illness, he himself was a chaplain to um, the, the local hospital uh, where, where those being treated for psychiatric illness um, were, were, uh, were being treated. And he used to say, you know, it's not that the mind is broken. 
and we need to be very careful of thinking of people that way in, the, in, in uh, imagining that they're broken in some way. He said, it's not that the mind is broken or that the soul, God forbid, is broken. It's, it's that the means of communication are broken. And I always like to think about that because when we meet people who are suffering deeply, um, emotionally, mentally, uh, particularly those who, whose lives perhaps are very unlike our own because of this, uh, to recognize the, the perfect human soul that is at the heart of that person. And though they may be afflicted um, because of, of illness or because of trauma or because of stress or accident or injury or whatever it might be, behind all that, beneath all that, is a perfect son or daughter of God. Uh, and if we can recognize that, that dignity and, and speak to them as to that dignity, then I think we, we facilitate uh, the, the healing and indeed the peace that Joseph is talking about there. Beautiful. Thank you, Brother Richard Hendrick, joining us from Ireland. And I think it's probably six or seven years ago that I first got to know you. And it was really through your writings. And it's refreshing because even as you're speaking, you have the ability to slow the soul. And again, we're talking about St. Dymphna and, and the increasing crisis of anxiety, teen depression, for example. Mm -hmm. In the great saints, the Desert Fathers, the hermits, they remind us that this is a very potent elixir of our age, and that is contemplative prayer to be mm -hmm. able to slow down into like what Joseph was saying. It just might be a fleeting moment, but day after day, he's faithful to devotions, to prayer, to being able to cooperate with the grace that's moving. And Elkhart, and we can't when we're completely in a rush or hurried. And sometimes we can't help that. Of course, we pray always and even when we're busy. But, you know, Cardinal Seurat talks about being hooked up to the morphine drip of noise and technology that we're surrounded by. And that's what I love yeah. about your book, because I feel like it's a holy detox and it's what <laughs> you've, you know, mastered. So can you tell us a little bit about still points and why contemplative prayer is so important? Well, it, it goes back for me to the very foundation of the Capuchins. Uh, we were founded as a reform of the Franciscan order in about the mid-1500s. And one of the reasons for that reform was to return to the original balance that St. Francis had intended for his followers between contemplation and action. Uh, Francis had always seen um, that, that the action of the friars, the ministry of the friars, should arise from their, their contemplation, that nothing was to disturb what he called the Holy Spirit of prayer and devotion, um, that this should be at the very heart of, of what it was to be a Franciscan. And that's what we strive for. But more than that, the Capuchins at the time were the first to actually begin schools of contemplative prayer for the laity. Um, up until then, uh, contemplation was seen as something very monastic. You know, there was the contemplative life behind the walls of the monastery, and there was the devotional life of the lay faithful. Um, and so the friars, um, wanting to return to that original understanding, really, that we see in the letters of St. Paul, whereby this, this contemplative um, participation in divine presence is something that is open to all. Christians by virtue of their baptism. As you said, you know, very often we're overtaken, all of us, whether we're monk or lay or, or whatever uh, station we hold within the body of the faithful, we can all be overtaken by busyness and by distraction. Um, the great Catholic philosopher Blaise Pascal said famously that all of the ills of the world can be traced to one thing, and that's the inability of a man, as he, as he put it, of a man to sit in stillness and quiet in a room by himself. 
And I think any of us who've been told, you know, sit still or, or pray quietly or quiet in your mind or whatever it might be, um, we, we realize just how quickly uh, our own, even our own mind can be such a source of distraction. Um, and so oh, within the contemplative tradition, uh, going back to those desert fathers and mothers that you mentioned of the, those first monastic um, patriarchs of the, the third to the, around the 300s or so, the fourth century, um, they sought for what they called spiritual equanimity, um, the ability to rest the mind in the presence of God and to live from that place of resting in the presence of God, trusting in, in Jesus who, who tells us that he bestows a peace that passes all understanding. Um, and so that really is the source of the contemplative tradition within the church. And, you know, generation after generation, we lose it and we have to find it again. We have to, we have to come across it. And I think particularly at the moment, we are living in such a distracted world um, be that through technology or um, even just the sheer pace of life and busyness. Many of us have moved far, far away from the kind of natural cycles that even a couple of generations ago our families would have been living according to. Um, and so really what I'm trying to do is, is to wake people up to the great tradition of um, contemplation, of stillness, of attention to the presence of God, that has always been with us and that is a real way to that inner peace that you were talking about there. I think, too, what's so exciting is that we know it doesn't cost anything and it isn't. Mm -hmm. We're not talking about massive grand gestures. It's the little way. It's the small things. It's the name of Jesus. It's in, you know, look at the Jesus prayer. The, and you talk about that, the rosary and the devotion of divine mercy. Jesus, I trust in you. Such a perfect spirituality for our times, because how many yeah. of us wake up determined today, Lord, your mercies are new. I trust you. And then we open up whatever it is, our Twitter feed, the, the news usually for in my case. And it's like, oh my goodness, my peace goes way down, my trust into all of a sudden, because we are living in perilous times and there are things we need to be aware of. So I, I can just say for my station in life as vocation, wife, mom of five, you know, raising also a special needs child and all the teenagers, all these different things. But I also want to do my civic duty and be aware of what's going on locally, globally. And that's exhausting, but yet maintain the spirituality that exactly. is foremost. Yeah. It's so I do think do all of that while still remaining tuned into God. Um, and I think that that's that's the, the big difficulty most people have because we are being overwhelmed um simply by 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 stimuli alone. Um and and now more than ever before, as you say, you know, you pick up your phone in the morning and the world is waiting for you, you know, and it has moved on through the night and you you feel like you're playing catch up. Um, and uh, particularly for, for anybody um, undertaking the vocation of parent, of husband, of wife, uh, of trying to guide young people uh, into responsible adulthood and into, into Catholic adulthood, um, it, it is really extraordinarily difficult at the moment. And it's not saying that, you know, all ages have had their crises, all ages have had, have had their, difficult, their difficulties. But I think for ourselves, one of the greatest difficulties is we have lost by and large, um, the ability to, to dwell in reflective stillness. And that's a condition that all of the, the great saints and teachers of the church have said that that reflective stillness is necessary for us to be able to deepen our prayer. 
I often say when I'm teaching it to young people, to teenagers particularly, I often say, look, you're sitting in a room with me here and this room is filled with signals. There are radio signals, there are television signals, the internet is present here. If you don't have the right technology attuned to that, it means nothing. But once you have the technology attuned to it, then you become present to it. In exactly the same way, God is present always. Um, but if we are not attuning ourselves, and we ourselves, our body, our mind, our heart, our soul, this is the, the technology, if you like, that God has created, which only works perfectly when it's attuned to his presence. Um, and so what, what we are trying to do um, in opening up the great tradition of, of contemplative prayer is to give people um, very basic, simple, practical techniques that they can use themselves to, to, uh, to recognize that God is with them in the moment, in the anxiety, in the problem, in the difficulty, in the family crisis, in, in the world crisis at large. But if we're attuned to his presence, then we become co-actors with him. Uh, we, we become people who are uh, his hands and his feet, as St. Teresa of Avila put it so beautifully, to bring his healing uh, to those around us. But if we're not tuned in, we, we miss the opportunity. And I have to share just kind of in an unbiased, honest way, that's one of the things that I love so much about Relevant Radio is all these things we're approaching from a Catholic perspective, how mm. to process, how to pray. And, you know, just hearing Drew and, and talking about politics in the last hour and then this hour kind of going on retreat. And so to be able to have the cadence of um, being informed, but also knowing how to approach and process and, and defend the truths of our faith in a charitable way, it's it's so needed. And as you're sharing too, in your book, the tool that you give us through Still Points. And before we get into the break, I want to ask you about the subtitle because it's called mm -hmm. Still Points, A Guide to Living the Mindful Meditative Way. And I'm always very guarded when I hear the word mindfulness because of the mm -hmm. new age practices and, and whether it's overt or covert, I really don't even use that word ordinarily because uh, we're in such a secular post-Christian culture that I don't assume that people know what I mean by that, you know, the original Christian root, the etymology, but you chose that word in your subtitle and then how you defend and explain it is really beautiful. You reclaim it as, as biblical and Christian in your opening chapter, really well done. And, and maybe you could take us into that before the break. Again, it still points a guide to living the mindful meditative way. Hmm. Well, it was a deliberate intention to, to have that subtitle for two reasons. Firstly, as you put it, to reclaim it for ourselves um, as part of our of our Christian tradition. Um, I'll speak specifically to the difference between between um, mindfulness and meditation in a moment. But secondly, also as an evangelizing tool for those out there who maybe have found um, you know mindfulness through the other channels, but are unaware of the fact that that within the Christian contemplative tradition there is a mindfulness of Christ, and that's the essential difference, of course, that we we choose to be mindful of the present moment, because we believe as Catholics that there is a sacramentality to the moment at hand, that the moment at hand that, is a way of encountering the presence that, of God. That was a very stealthy Jedi move. That was very good. <laughs> well, you know, I mean. One, one of the things I think that that um, one of my great patrons uh, that I turned to again and again, particularly when I was working especially with young people for evangelization was St. John Bosco. And one of the great things John Bosco did um, was to, to sort of take uh, the, 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 the culture at hand, the culture of the day and say, well, how can we as Christians speak to this? Because one of the great dangers, of course, 
for us as Christians is to retreat from the world in a way that isolates not just us, but isolates the people in the world who need to hear from us. You know, um, we have to keep the channel of evangelization open at all times. And and one of the, the channels is, is, you know, direct preaching, direct action, direct ministry, etc. But one of the, the key channels uh, and the reason why of our two great patrons of the missions, one is the evangelizer par excellence, St. Francis Xavier, but the other is Therese of Lisieux in her Carmel convent. Um, because contemplative prayer and, and the way of nourishing ourselves with the presence of God means that we become a leaven in the world that uh, maybe the world is unaware of. It may not necessarily hear us um, hourly or orally, but it certainly becomes aware of the, the presence of prayer um, as, a, as, a, as a way of, of um, being the yeast of peace in, in the world that allows the kingdom of God to rise. So I think... Um, Getting back to your original question, the, the reason to use this word particularly is it's, it's also uh, a word that has been used by some of the great spiritual teachers and masters of our tradition when they speak of, mm -hmm. of being mindful of Christ, of preserving a mindfulness towards the Lord. Um, when I joined the Capuchins, I was told by my novice master that um, to, to succeed as a Capuchin, we needed to have what he called a mortified disposition and a recollected mind. Now, I'm still working on both of those things, just to be very clear. But, <laughs> but, um, but the recollected mind, when we speak of recollection, this is what we're speaking of. We're speaking of the understanding that because of the fall, the mind is at war with itself very often. It tends to be distracted. The intellect is fallen. Memory is faulty. Uh, and the imagination can career off by itself into worlds of distraction. And so when we come to redemption, when we come to the healing that Christ brings to us through his death and resurrection, there is a correction of the mind that needs to take place, which St. Gregory of Nyssa, one of the great teachers of prayer in the, in the Eastern uh, Christian tradition, uh, spoke of as the, the collecting of the broken pieces of the mind back into one place so as to channel it towards the Holy Spirit. And this is what mindfulness is in the Christian understanding of it. Um, and that's what I'm what I'm teaching. Uh, and it's it's also where I think um, many people out there who, you know, they're looking for peace. They're seeing people all over the place in various other ways, secular traditions, other religions think, calling out to them saying, you know, come here and you will find peace. Uh, whereas what we're saying as, as Christians is we actually have this pathway ourselves. It has always been part of us. And if you come here, you won't just find peace as a quality of being, but you will meet the Prince of Peace, the origin of peace himself, and you can have a relationship with him. Beautiful. And you cite the Rosary, Divine Mercy Chaplet, Jesus Prayer, Eucharistic Adoration, and more. Brother Richard Hendrick is with us. The book is called Still Points. Joining us from Dublin, we're on a bit of an Irish retreat. It's wonderful. Contemplative prayer, peace, poetry, a little bit of Vikings. We're talking about that as well. And we are here, one 914 If you'd like to join the conversation, my name is Brooke Taylor. In for Kale, you're listening to Relevant Radio and the app. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Explaining the Catholic faith and how you can live it and share it too. It's Kale Clark on Relevant Radio. 
Brother Richard Hendrick, a Capuchin Franciscan monk friar, joining us from Dublin. Welcome back to The Kale Clark Show. It's Brooke Taylor in for Kale. It feels like we're on a bit of a mini Irish retreat. I hope so anyway. Just so grateful for your time, Brother Richard. We've been talking about the book, Still Points. Also kind of a thread woven through of St. Dymphna because we had a beautiful call from Joseph sharing the peace that he experienced through prayer. And yesterday on her feast day, Mary Randalls from the National Shrine of St. Dipna also joining us earlier in the show. If you missed it, check out the pod, the podcast version. Jim Schraper, fantastic with getting that up and out quickly. And if you know anyone that is struggling with mental health issues, depression, our daughter has autism, we've taken her to the shrine a few times, then pass this along to them. Really beautiful stories. And Brother Richard really building on that as we were talking about contemplative prayer, the gift of our Lord peace, the devotions that we've been given, and the importance, too, of stillness and slowing down in a world that is very noisy and loud and constantly seeking our attention and manipulating us to a point. Brother Richard, we just have a few minutes left, but I really, really want to get to the season. We are in the month of May, and you have Mm. so many beautiful writings in Still Points about the spring. We're in the Easter season, and the book follows the seasons and the month of the year, as the church always has. Yesterday was Rotation Day in the old calendar, and you really have a beautiful reflection on nature as teacher. And with the spring here, even in the bad and good weather, that can both teach us. Maybe you can give us a takeaway as we kind of wrap up on that. Sure. Um, well, I, I suppose the the one of the great gifts to us is is, and I, I wouldn't be a Franciscan if I didn't speak of it. Is is creation around us? You know. St. Augustine beautifully put it, he said, God has written two books, uh, the book of scripture, uh, which we read, and the book of creation, which we behold. And the Christian is called to recognize the presence of God in both. And so when we, when we look around us, when we behold creation, when we behold nature, we are looking at a sacramental reality that speaks to us of the presence of God, that points beyond us to the presence of God, but also invites us as human beings um, into uh, a stewardship of creation, number one, but secondly, to be the voice of creation, uh, to, to allow um, creation to praise God most fully, most perfectly, most completely through our praise of God. Um, when uh, we look to the book of Genesis, we find that the first man and the first woman, uh, the names that are given to them in Hebrew, Adam, uh, Adama in, in Hebrew, which means the gardener, and Eve, Eva, which means uh, the mother of all who live, and so from the very beginning, there was this wonderful understanding that, that in, um, in, the, in the, the mind of God, we were called to, to garden and, and also to, to uh, cultivate life. Um, and I think when we behold creation in a prayerful way, when we allow ourselves to be moved by the beauty of creation, to move um, through it uh, upwards uh, into, into beholding the presence of God, beholding the presence of the Creator, then we are truly at our most Adamic and Evic, if you if you like. We are we are moving back into that that place of union um, that the first uh, our, our first parents um, enjoyed with God when they walked with Him as friends in the evening light. So in this beautiful season of of the, when we're we're sort of celebrating Easter days, but we're also very much meditating upon the presence of our Blessed Mother, we see the whole of creation blooming at this moment. Um, and so uh, the, the motherhood of Mary becomes 
very, very easy to understand when we see creation at its most motherly at the moment, when all of this new life is bursting forth. So I have always found that um, poetry begets prayer and prayer begets poetry. I think it was Chesterton said that um, the poet tries to get his head into the heavens while the logician tries to get the heavens into his head, you know. Mm. Um, and so what we're trying to do, I suppose, with the reflections in the book is to allow people to slow down, to pause long enough to actually then lift up their heads and look around at the beauty that's there and see it as a direct gift of God, as a direct call into his presence. Um, and okay. also to recognize that it's not just about you know, beautiful, warm summer days, but it's also the recognition that the storms come, uh, that the cold can can arrive, um, and that even in the rain, the Lord is nourishing the earth. So we begin to have, again, as I mentioned before, we begin to approach this spiritual equanimity that allows us to recognize that regardless of what's going on on the surface, beneath it all, there is the providence of God guiding us all uh, into an understanding and, and uh, a, a deeper relationship to his peace than we may have had heretofore. And also the truth that beauty evangelizes. And uh, just recently, having interviewed uh, Jimmy Mitchell, he's just authored a book about beauty and how sometimes we might agree on, ba especially these days, even most basic fundamental truths, but most of us still will agree on a dazzling sunrise or the power and the majesty of, of the ocean and how it has a way of humbling us and reminding us of our littleness and God is in control. He who made the heavens is able to order our days and carry our burdens. And that's such a beautiful reminder, really, again, that you share over and over through the months and the days, the liturgy of the year and the cadence of our lives in your book. It's called Still Points. Brother Richard, is the book available everywhere? I'm sure Amazon and we can uh, get it accessible. It is, it is. It's there. It's on Kindle. It's it's anywhere you want it to be, <laughs> you'll find it. So um, I, I hope uh, anybody who, who chooses to, to avail finds a, a doorway into presence, into divine presence. God bless you. Thank you so much for joining us, Brother Richard Hendrick, joining us from Dublin. And I know it's late there, so I hope that you sleep well. Thank well. you for having you again. God bless you. <laughs> thank you. And also thank you to Mary Randalls from the National Shrine of St. Dymphna joining us earlier in the program. God bless you. Powerful testimonies. Mary shared a few. If, again, if you missed it, you can go back and listen to the podcast. My name is Brooke Taylor in for Kale. You're listening to The Kale Clark Show. A big thank you to Jim Schraper, who always does such a fantastic job with the audio and the production. Thank you again to Brother Richard Hendrick and St. Dymphna. Pray for us. Trending with Timory is up next. God bless you. <laughs>